0: All right. Mic
1: check, mic check. Good morning. Let's do, I think everything's working. I think we can do a show. Yeah, let's go. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome. This is Just Human number 183, and hope you guys are having a good one. I have my coffee here, and I have my computer set up in a different configuration. Um, feeling a little bit discombobulated here. Things aren't exactly how I want them, but I have some good stuff to cover this morning. And y'all probably noticed right off, if you watched the show before, that things look different behind me something's changed it's cuz i've moved my desk over to this side of the room while i do some construction on that side of the room and things don't feel right <laughs> things this feels this feels really weird it felt weird last night on defected and this morning it's really throwing me off i'm trying not to, i keep bumping into my desk cuz i've i'm scooted all the way over here to this corner of it um I did take off over the weekend. I consumed a good amount of formula one testing, but that was mostly listening to it while I did construction projects around the house and, um, assembled some furniture and did a lot of cleaning and all that kind of stuff that was, you know, fun. Um, worked on my wife's car, got that fixed. At least so far I've been driving it around and it hasn't, hasn't busted, had it broken down again. So I guess I fixed it. um, But it was good. It was good to check out and did a lot. My favorite thing I did was um, just hanging out with my kids. Um, They had an event at school and um, for parents and kids to go together. And it was a lot of fun and it was really silly being in a room full of toddlers and uh, man, it was just good. It was just good quality time. Um, Went to the park just did lots of fun stuff with my kids. It was so good. And um, when I got back, when I started plugging back in on uh Saturday and Sunday, mostly when I really plugged back in Saturday night right before the Devo Power Hour, I was I was getting all these messages about this hearing in Arizona. And I want to make that the first topic we cover this morning. I won't spend a whole lot of time on it. Um, but I wanna cover that first and then we're gonna get into several different uh topics that I think are pretty good mostly justice related so hope you guys are doing well and let's go that's the wrong screen that's the right screen i'm having to look over to my left at my computer that's running the obs and then i have a monitor in front of me with the stuff i'm going to be reading so y'all going to get y'all going to get my side profile a lot today as i look over to my left To look at OBS and click on things. Um, So last night we had a great episode of Defected. I really enjoyed it. I mean, every episode so far with Burning Bright has has been a lot of fun. And the audience, the community that's in chat has been so hilarious and contributive. Um, Really enjoyed it. I can't believe how many views this episode already has. That's insane. And how many upvotes. So thank you guys very much. If you missed last night's episode of Defected, it was pretty good. Um, we covered some important stuff and we had we had a lot of fun. And as usual, Burning Bright and I just did what Burning Bright and I do. So if you like what we do, you'll probably like this episode of Defected. Go find it over on Badlands Media. And thank you, everybody, for your support. Um all right, so the Arizona hearing, and I'm just going to switch back to this camera because I'm not going to be showing anything on screen. I just want to talk to you guys about the Arizona hearing. Um, so I watched it, or actually what I mostly watched, I went back and I watched the presentation uh, from uh, Breger. Uh, the main thing that's getting all the headlines So I went back and watched that. And then I watched um an interview with Thaler that was done on Frank's Frank Speech. And then I watched an interview that was with Gail Gail Gallick. And the main thing I got that on Sunday morning, lunch around lunchtime on Sunday, I got the 96 page report um that was presented. And I started reading that report. I've read the whole thing. I've looked at the receipts that are included with it. Um, the deeds that are in there and some other documents. And. um, I have concerns. Um, like I said, on the Devo Power Hour when Patrick was talking about this, um, it's something I'm very, I'm very willing to believe. Right. Um, it's something that I think is like probably true. Um, as far as there being, I mean, I, there's definitely corruption in Arizona and there's definitely cartel money flowing around and there's definitely corruption related to the cartels and connected to the cartels. And, Totally willing to believe all that. So therefore, I'm also extra cautious about not jumping in with both feet and saying, yep, this is it. This is totally true and accurate. This makes all the sense in the world. I believe it. Um, because I'm so willing to believe it, I'm being extra cautious with it. And what I, what I got to say is that... I see a number of red flags with it. Um, I'm kind of hesitant to go into all of the red flags that I see because some of them could be explained. Some of them could, um, with a little bit more information, they, uh, they may make sense and not be red flags. Um, but there are a number of red flags that I'm seeing with the report that uh, give, me, give me some concerns. And they're the kind of red flags that we've come across before with other explosive bombshell. This is it. Like those types of news stories that go viral so easily and everybody gets hyped up on them and then nothing ever comes of it. I'm seeing some of those exact same red flags with this. um. But beyond that, just dismissing that. What I'm getting out of the interviews and out of the hearing are and the report, the 96 page thing, is um there's a whole lot of allegations being thrown out with not enough evidence to back up those allegations. So like for the example, the deeds and stuff, um, I can see why the deeds are – there's something like, let's say, fishy there. There's something there that is of concern, uh, such as the signature matching and all that. But that could mean that the rest of the document is also forged. So if those signatures right there are forged, couldn't it be that the rest of the document is also forged? And so, therefore, it's not actually – it doesn't actually back the allegation that's being made. The document itself is actually forged. Like Katie Hobbs could seriously come out today and be like, yeah, those deeds that are in there, those signatures are forged and my signature on there is forged too. Those aren't mine. Um, just as an example, the other thing I'm seeing is that there's these leaps. There's there's these leaps between these documents that are included in the report and then connecting all of those to all these public officials that are listed in a spreadsheet. And where is the connection to the Sinaloa cartel that shows money flowing to here and then money flowing over there. Um, It's not as fleshed out as it needs, as it needs to be. Um, Now there could be more evidence. There could be more evidence than what is in that report. I would hope there is. And that stuff may come out. And I'll take a look at that and I'll be like, oh guys, this is actually everything that it was that was alleged to be. This is actually, wow, this Thaler guy really found some stuff, and he can back every single one of his claims up. Um, but what I'm seeing right now doesn't live up to that. Um, now that's just my opinion. And of course, I could be wrong. It could be a week from now we have more information and we have more evidence that's come out in some way, shape or form. And we're like, oh, yeah, this thing is really building up to be about. um, To be what it was marketed to be. But right now. Yeah, I just I just I'm I'm not I'm not flowing in I'm not flowing into the hype stream on this thing. Um, now, I know a lot of people have shared it. And promoted it and asked told people to look into this stuff. And a lot some people that I um, that I, you know, respect and I like and. Um, that's all well and good. Um, it could be they're sharing it just to get more people to look at it. And investigate it. Um, uh, hey, Paul, Paula Carver. Yeah, I looked at that case too, the divorce custody case. Um, I looked at that case too. I found that case and looked at it. Um, I saw what Wendy uh, Wendy Rogers said. Um, about it, that I saw her statement that came out. Um, yep, yeah, that's right. Iowa, tw- Iowa Trump. Good morning. Uh, the fort signatures are from two ladies who are supposedly related to the cartel and who are in witness protection. Yep. Um,
0: that's what we're being told. I, I see. Um. Yeah, guys,
1: I'm just I'm just not. I'm not jumping on this hype train. I'm just really not like there's just there's just too many things about it that are leaps to me and there's while there are some people that I like who are are pushing this um or at least sharing it with some commentary right there's also some people who are the usual suspects when it comes to um Hyping up some nothing burgers for the internet traffic and the clickbait. Um, all, all of the um, look, I'm sorry to say it this way, but one of the major red flags I'm seeing with this is that all the usual suspects who hype up the latest clickbait for the clicks and views are pushing this thing really, really hard, they're all over it and that's a big red flag to me now there are like i said there's some people that i respect and i like that are also sharing it but all these usual suspects are also all over this and marketing it as the biggest most explosive thing you got to pay attention to this and that that really sets off alarm bells with me and another thing is that when i see people get all hyped up on the on a certain story And they're all in on it emotionally. And primarily it's because of the allegations they've heard that they were already willing to believe anyway. That all those things make me just want to pump the brakes like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's, let's slow, let's slow down a bit and really look at what this is based on. Um, I understand that there's a book that's supposed to be coming out. I got to say that that's kind of a red flag to me too. Because before this event happens, he was selling advanced copies of his book. Um, And that, that, bo- that bothers me too. Um. So, Oh it looks like I got frozen for a minute um I think I'm back though um, o b s disconnected and then reconnected so i I mean really the bottom the bottom line is guys I'm just pumping the brakes on it and we'll see my my first reaction to it and my People that are members of my Telegram chat can confirm this when they were hitting me on it uh, and and linking it to me. And I was starting to get my first information about it. And people were telling me, you got to, uh, you got to get into this, Kyle. You got to dig into this and go over it on your show. My first comment back, or one of the first comments I made back was that when this become, if, and when this becomes a court case or a series of court cases because there's been indictments. That sounds like the thing that I'll cover. Um, right now we just have this report and this presentation and these interviews. And, um, while there's a lot of stuff in it, to me, the allegations far exceed the amount of evidence that we've seen that we've been presented with. Um, um, Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I've noticed is that a lot of people have seized on a spreadsheet that's contained within that report that just lists all of these politicians who people on the right have a problem with. And just accuses them of being on the take from the cartel without being able to back up, without being able to provide the evidence to prove that, that each one of these people is on the take from the cartel. And people are just sharing around that spreadsheet as if that spreadsheet itself with a list of names is proof. And it's not. Um, Yeah. Look, if this comes, if this turns into a court, if there's an indictment. If there's an indictment and this turns into some cases, then I'll be all over it. Uh, But right now, right now, I'm really employing a lot of discernment and um, yeah, really employing a lot of discernment on this. Um, Not getting, not, I'm not, I'm not buying the hype on it. I'm really not guys. And if you do, if you, if you, if you do, that's totally fine. This is definitely something where we can disagree on. And it's something that I'll be happy to be wrong about. I'll be happy to be be wrong about this, um, but yeah, as Music and Fiction just said in chat, we've we've been we've been bummed by a lot of stuff or burned by a lot of stuff. We've been burned by a lot of stuff that came up and then didn't live up to the hype and just faded away, and the clickbait artist moved on to the next clickbait. This thing this thing is so ripe for the clickbait artist, it really is, guys, and they're all over it, and that is that really that really sets off a lot of alarm bells with me. I'm concerned. I haven't watched the rest of the hearing. I mean, it was a long hearing and I spent all my time on this on on this subject digging into it over the weekend. And so I haven't seen the rest of the hearing, but people said the rest of the hearing was really good. So something like this could have overshadowed the rest of all the good stuff that happened in that hearing. Um, yeah, I'm just, um, yeah, well, I've, I've said, I've said, I've said what I've said about it. So, um, that's, that's, that's about it. A lot of people message me about it and were asking for my take on it. And I really appreciate that. And people were sending me links and I appreciate that too. And I did listen to those interviews and I did read through the material. Um, but there's, yeah, that's my take on it. And um, more information may alter that take. And, um, you know, if you guys, if you guys are convinced about it, if you're like, man, I looked at this and I think it's legit and I'm convinced, I think the allegations match up with the evidence that's been pre- presented. That's your assessment. That's totally cool with me. Um we'll see we'll see what happens is all I can is I guess all I can say. Uh right now I am I am very cautious on it. And I definitely don't mean that in a downer type way like I don't mean that to black pill at all. Um not at all. I I mean that as in let's just not get too carried away on the allegations themselves. So definitely, definitely don't mean it as a black pill. I don't mean to upset anybody with it. Um, but that's, that's my, that's my perspective on it. So next topic. There you go. Y'all are going to get a lot of side profile shots today. Cause I keep having to look over at my computer for this. Um, Jason, thank you for the Rumble rant. He says, How many, I wonder how many listed and not listed were in Arizona government, government around Fast and Furious time. I don't know. Um, but Fast and Furious has been loosely bubbling up. Um, not specifically Fast and Furious, but people on the Mexican side of the Fast and Furious scandal have been arrested for other things and the are being extradited to the U.S which is pretty interesting. They may not get busted on Fast and Furious, but it seems like they're getting busted on other things. Uh which, hey, I'll take it. UK Neil, good morning. Thank you for the compliment on the Defected. Yeah, I enjoyed it last night. JC Bird, thank you very much for the coffee money. Um it's a good morning for coffee. It's a little bit rainy here and cool. I'm not ready for winter to be over. I'm not ready. I we didn't we had a very mild winter here in Virginia and I'm not I'm not ready. (laughs) All right. I like Winter a lot, and it had this one has not satisfied me. So I want to talk to you guys about Victor Vexelberg for a little bit. First, we're going to back up. We're going to back up to December 7th, 2018. In this article from Bloomberg, which isn't a real news outlet, I know that, I'm aware of that, Uh, but it will suffice for this purpose. Putin's American oligarch privately boasted of Trump ties, then he lost billions. I like that. Not long after Michael Cohen stopped pursuing a Trump-branded property project... In Moscow, another Russian connection to the future U.S. president's entourage started to form. Like the real estate plan, it didn't end well, particularly for Russian tycoon Viktor Vexelberg. His effort to engage in statecraft at the highest level unraveled spectacularly, costing him billions, leaving his family and severing the extent cleaving his family and le- and severing the extensive ties to the U S elite that turned him into what one Moscow newspaper called the most American of Vladimir Putin's plutocrats. This saga, much of much of it previously unreported began with a chance encounter between Cohen, Trump's now disgraced former lawyer and Vexelberg's American cousin, Andrew Intrater, in the fall of 2016. Soon, Trump would be in the White House and Vexelberg would be privately boasting of having the pool needed to help achieve the sanctions relief the Kremlin was craving, people familiar with the matter said. Instead, he became the richest victim of the most dangerous standoff between the U.S. and Russia since the Cold War. The story of Vexelberg's fall from grace in the U.S., where his American grandchildren, Yale-educated children, wife and all live, Is based on interviews with more than a dozen people in the billionaire's orbit in both countries. The optimism about the future of bilateral relations that the one-time oil magnate expressed as recently as a year ago has given way to bouts of occasional public melancholy. Again, this article is from 2018, but we'll get to recent stuff. Through much of 2017, as the nascent Trump administration navigated controversies of its own making— Boy, I could talk about that line right there. Vexelberg was was giving Russian officials and fellow businessmen vague yet certain assurances about his influence in the White House. According to six people who interacted with him at the time, he would attended Trump's swearing-in ceremony in Washington as a guest of Intrader who donated $250,000 to the inaugural committee and come back with a newfound sense of clout, they said. Vexelberg's spokesman in Moscow, Andrei Shertok, or Shertork, said the billionaire never tried to be a go-between on the sanctions issue. Quote, Vexelberg has not and could not have offered anyone his help to resolve sanctions. He has no ability to do so. Shortly after being grilled in New York in March as part of special counsel Robert Mueller's election meddling probe, Vexelberg and the younger, brasher, aluminum baron Oleg Deripaska were slapped with sanctions over Putin's malign activities. Vexelberg has since lost about $3 billion of his now $13.4 billion fortune, mainly due to declines in the market values of his minority stakes in Swiss industrial companies and Deripaska's Roussel. And that doesn't count the estimated $2 billion or more of stocks and cash that have been frozen or tied up in banks as a result of the U.S. penalties. The Treasury's decision in April to put Vexelberg in the same category as Deripaska stunned corporate Russia. That's because Vexelberg, unlike Deripaska, has never been particularly close to Putin and sold his main Russian asset six years ago. Whereas Deripaska has been denied a U.S. visa for years over allegations of past criminal activity, which he rejects. Vexelberg has a long history of working with leading U.S. companies, institutions, and politicians on commercial and charitable projects. Oh, really? Which ones are those? That's not how some U.S. intelligence and law enforcement agencies see it, though. Vexelberg has been on Washington's radar screen for years, having met with three previous U.S. presidents, Obama, Bush, and Clinton, but not Trump. In 2010, he helped organize part of then-President Dmitry Medvedev's state visit, which included a three-day tour of Silicon Valley headlined by meetings with with Apple's Steve Jobs, Google's Eric Schmidt, and Cisco's John Chambers. Vexenberg was deeply implicated in efforts to influence leaders and politicians here in the U.S., Said Michael Carpenter, a former Pentagon official who oversaw Russia for the National Security Council in the Obama administration and is <clears throat> the same guy on video with Joe Biden when he said that prosecutor needs to be fired. And he told that famous story that's in that famous video clip and the same guy who was in charge of the Biden pen center that was raided by the FBI and who is still in the is now in the Biden White House as a national security advisor, by the way. um that same Michael Carpenter. The soft-spoken 61-year-old who's called the sanctions against him unfair has hired U.S. lawyers who recently submitted a petition to blah, 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 blah. Those sanctions are still in place. He's failed. Vexelberg had spent the previous decade and a half moving agents of influence on both U.S. coasts. He'd struck deals with Harvard and Forbes family to repatriate iconic Orthodox Bells and precious Fabergé eggs. Guy yeah, he has a thing for art. He'd save the park that marks the first czarist beachhead in California with the backing of Republicans and Democrats alike, from then Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger to then Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and Senator Dianne Feinstein. He'd even won a U.S. election to the board of Massachusetts Institute of Technology. That's right. This guy was on the board of MIT. That's right. Prior to being banned from the U.S., where he once held a gil, a green card. Vexelberg spent nearly as much time at his family's luxury properties in Connecticut and New York as he did in Moscow. He sometimes flew into Westchester County airport in his private jet, just like Bill and Hillary Clinton. Remember that who lived nearby and had no qualms accepting a donation to their foundation of as much as a hundred thousand dollars from the Renova group. That's right. Victor Vexelberg was giving six figures to the Clinton Foundation. But there's more. There's much more. It's not just that Vexelberg did that. Over at Clinton Foundation Timeline, they have this article saved from Peter Schweitzer talking about Hillary Clinton and her relationship with Vexelberg. Hillary Clinton touts her her tenure as Secretary of State as a time of hard-headed realism and commercial diplomacy, but her handling of a major technology transfer initiated at the heart of Washington's effort to reset relations with Russia raised serious questions about her record. Consider Skolkovo. Does anybody remember Skolkovo? Skolkovo, an innovation city of 30,000 people on the outskirts of Moscow, was billed as Russia's Silicon Valley and a core piece of Mrs. Clinton's quarterbacking of the Russian reset. The Kremlin committed $5 billion over three years to Skolkovo. Mrs. Clinton's State Department worked aggressively to attract U.S. investment partners and help the Russian state investment fund, Rusnano, identify American tech companies worthy of Russian investment. Rusnano, which a scientific advisor to Vladimir Vladimir Putin, called Putin's child, was created in 2007 and relies entirely on Russian state funding. Soon, dozens of U.S. tech firms, including top Clinton Foundation donors like Google, Intel, and Cisco. Who did we just read about? We just read about Google's Eric Schmidt and what's his name from Cisco? Yeah. Made major politi- made major financial contributions to Skolkovo, with Cisco committing a cool $1 billion. In May 2010, the State Department facilitated a Moscow visit by 22 of the biggest names in U.S. venture capital. And weeks later, the first memorandums of understanding were signed by Skolkovo and American companies. And by 2012, the vice president of the Skolkovo Foundation, Connor Linehan, who had previously partnered with the Clinton Foundation, recorded that Skolkovo had assembled 28 Russian, American, and European key partners. Of the 28 partners, 17 or 60% had made, had made financial contributions to the Clinton Foundation. Get that again. 60% of the partners in this Skulkovo Foundation effort were also donors to the Clinton Foundation. Their, their, their donations totaled tens of millions of dollars and they used that money to sponsor speeches by Bill Clinton. Russians tied to Skolkovo also flowed funds to the Clinton Foundation. Andrei Vavilov, the chairman of Superox, is, which is part of Skolkovo's nuclear research cluster, donated between ten and 25,000. Skolkovo Foundation chief and billionaire Putin confidant, Victor Vexelberg, also gave to the Clinton Foundation through his company Renovo Group.
0: There's more. There's more. Victor
1: Vexelberg was sanctioned back in 2018. Victor Vexelberg was then sanctioned again in April of 2022 and his yacht was seized. Victor Vexelberg's properties Six of them were then raided by the FBI and by um, DHS. And if I remember right, the DHS team that raided his properties was a very specific one that deals with uh, um, investigating foreign influence. And then last month, 25th of January... Richard Masters, a British man, was arrested in Spain for helping Victor Vexelberg avoid sanctions. Um, This guy had been living on one of um, Victor Vexelberg's yachts, and the U.S. Department of Justice actually indicted this guy and had Spain arrest him. And here's that indictment right here. Arrest and criminal charges announced against British and Russian businessmen for facilitating sanctions against Russian oligarchs. The two businessmen are Vladislav Osipov, a Russian national, and Richard Masters, a United Kingdom national, and they're charged in separate indictments regarding this $90 million yacht and how Victor Vex, they were living on this yacht and they were using it to avoid sanctions, and they were changing the name of the yacht and things like that to hide that it was Victor Vexelberg's yacht. Um, all this stuff's been going on with Victor Vexelberg. He was recently indicted. I covered that on this show. And now the big news, the latest news that I've been building up to this whole time by refreshing you and all of that other stuff is this civil forfeiture Complaint the SDNY last friday revealed that they filed a civil forfeiture complaint basically they want they're going to seize those six luxury those six real estate properties that the fbi raided they're now seizing them those are all, these are all properties that are in america uh they're valued at over 75 million um they are a place in southampton two residences in new york on park avenue um two places in Miami beach, Florida, no three places in Miami beach, Florida. USDOJ is going to seize all these because they've been used, uh, to facilitate and benefit benefit the money laundering and, uh, sanctions avoid avoiding, uh, behavior of Victor Vexelberg. And they also indicted, uh, Victor Vexelberg's U S side guy, Vladimir Voronchenko, who was facilitating these properties and, uh, shoveling money between all of these shell companies. Now they don't have him in custody and they don't have Victor Vexelberg in custody, but they do have this Richard guy, this uh, Richard masters guy, he's in custody. And what's important to me about all this is that you follow the money. Following the money is how you get these criminals and break up these giant criminal organizations and Victor Vexelberg has a giant criminal organization that is very much connected to the Clintons, um, not just through Skolkovo. This guy is also connected to Uranium One scandal. And he is who Bill Clinton would meet with whenever he accompanied Secretary Clinton to Russia. Um Victor Vexelberg's effort to get tied into the Trump administration and his quarter million dollar donation through his, uh, was it his brother? Uh, through Intrader. this guy Intrader, was it his brother or his cousin? Who was it? His cousin, Andrew Intrader, who donated a quarter million dollars to Trump's inauguration committee and met with Michael Cohen. Guys, guess what happened? They got caught in the Trump quicksand. They got caught in the Trump sting. That's what Trump does. That's what Michael Cohen did. That's what Rudy Giuliani does. It's like, okay, yeah, I'll meet with you. Okay, yeah, I'll take your money. I'll have this meeting for you. And I'm going to wear a wire. (laughs) And I'm going to record all our conversations. And then I'm going to turn all those conversations over to the FBI. And what you want to bet, that's exactly what happened. And that's why a year later, he first got sanctioned and his visa revoked. Um, I have something else I want to show you about this guy. Just a moment. Just a moment. I got to find it. There we go. There we go. See, I I love seeing this stuff come back around and the whole reason why I went to and started with this article here about how, Oh, he has Trump ties is because the media notice what the media was tricked into doing here. This guy's a Clinton buddy. If you want to find, if you want to find, Russia collusion. You can find it between the Clintons and guys like Victor Vexelberg who have liter- literally given six figures to them over years and who they meet with and do deals with like Skolkovo which is a completely corrupt deal and Uranium One, completely corrupt and the media doesn't want to report on that stuff. They don't want you to know the name Victor Vexelberg. But then Trump gets in and now these same Russian oligarchs are like, oh, we got to get close to Trump and we got to try and buy his, his. we got to try and buy influence with him, just like we did the Clintons and Bush and Obama. We got to buy influence with Trump. And Trump has people like Cohen and, and Rudy be like, yeah, okay, we'll meet. We'll meet. We'll see what your offer is. And the media writes these articles about, oh... Trump is cozying up to these Russians. He tried to build a hotel there. He's all friendly with them. He's taking money from them. But it's all a sting. The whole thing is. As Dawson writes here, Hillary's oligarch, her pal, Victor, is about to lose $75 million in real estate. I guess his efforts to frame Trump or to help frame Trump by making illegal donations to his inauguration didn't work out the way he had planned. Vexelberg, Vexelberg loaned Manafort a million dollars a week after Mueller raided him. i read that again. Victor Vexelberg loaned Paul Manafort a million dollars a week after Mueller raided him. Either an, That was either an effort to buy a silence or to induce him to give false confession to Mueller against Trump. Pretty weird. Why would Hillary's pal, Russian oligarch Victor Vexelberg, want to clandestinely loan Paul Manafort a million dollars a week or so after Mueller raided his home and office? The same Russian oligarch who used never Trump or Sam Patton to illegally donate money to the Trump Inauguration Committee so he could make it look like he supported Trump to try and buy access to him. Want to bet that foreign bank. Fighting Mueller subpoena was the conduit for that $1 million loan to Manafort. Seems the players want their money back as collateral for a condo Mueller seized from Manafort. Hired an actor to be the rep for the secret group of financiers that loaned it out. But the actor has connections to Vexelberg's cousin and frontman in the U.S. Of course, he tried to buy access to Trump through the FBI confidential source. From the Buryakov Russian spy case, Michael Cohen. And I want to make I want to make this point about Manafort and this setup here that you can so easily see in hindsight. Manafort was a plant. I mean, you guys should know this by now. Manafort was a plant within the Trump campaign, and the thing that people need to really get about that is that Trump wanted him. Trump wanted the plant. Trump wanted Paul Manafort in his campaign as a plant. He wanted the attention of Russians like Viktor Vexelberg and Oleg Deripaska. Trump wanted the attention of people like Danchenko and Steele and Fusion GPS. He wanted the attention of Rodney Jaffe and Michael Sussman. He wanted the accusations of Russia, Russia, Russia collusion. That's why he had Manafort in the campaign. He wanted all of that. Trump wanted all of those accusations. He wanted all those eyeballs. He wanted all of these hoaxes. He wanted all of these fake attempts to try and dirty him up because it attracted all of these swamp creatures. And it caused the media to report on it and it caused the media to spend years not just months but years reporting on the dangers of foreign collusion and foreign investment and politicians being bought off and all of this stuff he tricked the media by doing this when Trump says I'll take all those slings and arrows for you that's what he's talking about is I'll go right into the snake pit I'll go right into the swamp and I'll load myself up with bait I'll make sure all the swamp creatures come out and try and eat me and they'll all get caught
0: And one by one. They're getting caught like Vexelberg.
1: Like the guy we talked about last week who was, um, what's his name? Um, I can't even think of his name now who was uh, convicted of laundering money for Russians into the Trump campaign. Um, I can't remember his name now, but all these people getting caught and there are all these multiple efforts to try and set Trump up. And he wanted them. He wanted these efforts to set him up because Trump is an asset. So like, I mean, think about how brilliant it is that Trump is this DOJ asset. And if you, haven't, if you don't know that, then you haven't been watching me for very long. Welcome. Uh, Trump is a DOJ asset, and I can prove that to you. So can Dawson. Um, so can UK Neal. Um, Trump is an asset for DOJ and has been for some 40 years. And so all of these swamp creatures who are going to Trump and they're trying to buy influence with him, And they're trying to get him to take the money um, and make these swampy deals. They're literally going to a DOJ asset and talking into a DOJ assets mic and talking to a DOJ asset who is being surveilled. And getting caught. They're walking right into the trap. And here's another layer of it that a lot of people haven't quite gotten. And if you have, congratulations. Spygate. Trump's campaign being spied on is part of the sting. i say it again. Trump's campaign being spied on is part of the sting. He wanted it. Because what were they spying on? They were spying on their own asset who was collecting evidence from all of these criminals. So in spying on Trump, they were also spying on the swamp creatures who were trying to get Trump. Spygate takes on a whole different look. It's a horse of a different color once you realize that Trump was an asset. Ah, oh, it's so beautiful. Anyway, back to this. Vexelberg lay led a major Russia effort to infiltrate Silicon Valley for Putin. That was that Skolkovo thing where he got all those donors who ended up all being, like 60% of them being Hillary, being Clinton Foundation donors. Um, Vexelberg is also connected to the money laundering networks within the EU, um, including Abizov. Um, Didn't Hunter Biden have something to do with Mikhail Abizov? I feel like Hunter Biden and Abizov may have had some dealings. I could be wrong. It may be somebody of a similar name. Uh, In March of 2022, Vexelberg was sanctioned by the U.S. following the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So that's two bouts of sanctions against him. And then several of his properties in the U.S. were searched in September of 2022, likely gathering the evidence used to seize his properties in the case. It's very similar to the Oleg Deripaska raids. That's true. And I haven't fully fleshed this out. I've mentioned it a few times. Um, I've mentioned it on this show on Devo Power Hour and Defected. But when I see this... I really feel like or I really get the sense that the sanctions against these Russians and this Operation Klepto Capture that is being run, um that was set up by Merrick Garland in March of 2022, it's draining the Russian swamp. And... I think I think it's this brilliant move. I think this task force klepto capture they're the ones who are going after Vexelberg, Oleg Deripaska, and a number of others and i I just feel like this is a very clever way of using the Ukraine war as the excuse to go after these international swamp creatures that are connected to Russia. And I don't think tr- Putin is missing any of these guys. I don't think, I don't think Putin is going to sleep worried about Oleg Deripaska or Victor Vexelberg. I think he's thankful. I think, I think ta- task force klepto capture is literally draining the Euro Russian American globalist swamp of these oligarchs. And the headline, the 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 marketing of it is that it was set up because of Russia's illegal and unprovoked invasion of Ukraine, and blah 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 blah. Yeah, that's that's those are the talking points. That's the selling. That's the that's the banner stuff. Um, but what it's functionally doing is dealing with these corrupt people who aren't. It's not like they're with. They're only corrupt here. They're corrupt in Russia too. So it's helping Russia out at the same time. It's cleaning up their swamp that is also our swamp. It's the same swamp. It's beautiful to me. And this guy's about to lose these six these six uh these six properties. I hope I hope that same we might get I'm expecting. Yeah. I mean, I'm expecting the same thing that we're going to get an update soon probably a civil forfeiture complaint and seizure of Oleg Deripaska's properties that are here in the U.S. Um, It's beautiful how this thing works out. And it reminds me of something I'm going to get to later. I'm going to get to later about people's expectations about how some of this stuff should go. People often get trapped into feeling like nothing is happening because it's not happening on the timeline they want it to. And that's true of me, too. And um, they get upset because their expectations aren't being met as far as some of these things. And for me, it's like, yeah, I wish it was happening faster. But when you start looking, you start adding up the things that have happened. You realize how much is happening and has happened. It just hasn't made all the headlines. And this isn't the only Clint I was. One of the things I was struck with as I was uh, grabbing some of those those articles and bookmarking them for the show is that you know, like Vexelberg isn't the first major Clinton donor to be indicted. Um, Gilbert Chowdry was indicted years ago, and it hasn't been much in the press at all. Um, but he was a major Clinton donor. And he completely cooperated with the investigation and he got a sweet deal. And um, who knows how many other swampy people who have contributed to the Clinton's uh, crime network have gone down because of Gilbert Chowdhury uh, working out a deal and working out um, an agreement to cooperate with other investigations. And you start adding those things up. There's a number of Clinton, major Clinton donors who have been indicted and some are in jail and some have made a deal and some of them are fugitives it's really going to blow people's mind i i think i think this is going to happen i think that during the next trump administration i think trump is going to manage to get vladimir putin to extradite some people who are in russia to the us some of these oligarchs. Like, I think some of these oligarchs may go to Russia and think they're safe. And I think they're going to get arrested there and sent to the U S or the Russians are going to feed us some Intel on the whereabouts of them while they're outside of Russia and Interpol or somebody is going to grab them and they're going to come here. I really do think that, um, and people's minds are going to be blown that Russia and the u s could cooperate on such things, and I think that will be a nice a nice vehicle for undoing the russophobia that's been programmed into us for so many decades so okay. Already an hour into the show. Ria, thank you very much. Thank you very much. That is extremely generous of you. I really appreciate it. I will. That will fund my construction project I have going on here in this room. Um. She says, oligarchs being drained. Why are all the big companies laying off so many people? It's all draining the swamp. Yes. It is all draining the swamp. Drain the swamp is real. Man, drain the swamp is real, and so is uh, so are so many other things that are happening. Um, let's keep let's keep talking. To, well, well, actually, let me just grab this real quick since we're talking about drain the swamp is real. So is the war on MS thirteen, and y'all, y'all. If you watched Devo or Defected, you know I mentioned this, or if you read the Badlands Brief this morning. Badlands.substack.com. We do a news brief five days a week with some key articles that a number of us think are important for people to know about. One of the ones I selected uh, was this one, that these three high-ranking MS-13 leaders arrested on terrorism rackete- racketeering charges last week. Um And I got to say, I had a bit of a giggle at people who, blackpilled to me in the comments about how it was only three because when they blackpilled to me that it was only three so it doesn't mean much they were at the same time telling me they didn't read what I shared (laughs) they were at the same time telling me they didn't even read the first sentence of this press release Because if they had, they would know that this is a four-count indictment unsealed today in the federal court in Central ISLIP, charging 13 of the highest-ranking MS-13 leaders in the world with directing the transnational criminal organization and criminal activities in the United States, El Salvador, and Mexico, and elsewhere over the past two decades. Let me state that again. This isn't just an indictment of three high-ranking MS-13 leaders. It's a four-count indictment charging 13 of the highest-ranking MS-13 leaders in the world. Charging them with directing the transnational criminal organization's criminal activities in the United States, El Salvador, Mexico, and elsewhere over the past two decades. Specifically, the defendants are charged with racketeering conspiracy, conspiracy to provide or conceal material support to terrorists, and narco-terrorism conspiracy. Four of the defendants are indicted on alien smuggling conspiracy. How anybody could black pill over that first paragraph, I'll never understand. Now, pretty big indictments. Pretty interesting. I haven't read the indictments themselves. They're not linked here. They're not linked here. So I haven't read the specific indictments themselves. I'm going to try and find them this week and read them. If they're super interesting, I'll present them on the show. Um, But the key thing about this, and every time I see a headline about MS-13 or press release about MS-13 being indicted or arrested, I go and look and see if it had anything to do with joint task force Vulcan. And it did. Joint Task Force Vulcan. That's what gets me excited about this, besides the fact that it's MS-13 getting busted. It's because Joint Task Force Vulcan was set up in 2019 by President Trump and Bill Barr. And when they set up Joint Task Force Vulcan, Trump gave it the assignment of going to war with MS-13. And then Bill Barr put John J. Durham as director of Joint Task Force Vulcan. And John J. Durham is one of four sons of John H. Durham, the Durham that we are most familiar with. And one of the things I've been looking for is what does the Merrick Garland DOJ do with Joint Task Force Vulcan and what do they do with John J. Durham? And last I checked, which was last week, John J. Durham is still the director of Joint Task Force Vulcan. And as I just showed you, Joint Task Force Vulcan is still going after MS-13. The war on MS-13 continues, just like Draining the Swamp continues, all under the Merrick Garland Justice Department. And for a year now, I have been catching a bit of flack, although that, that flack flak. The volume and frequency of the flak has decreased over time. But I've been catching it for saying that Merrick Garland is not who people on the right think he is. And that Merrick Garland, I've said it several times Merrick Garland is probably the most misunderstood person in the Trump, in the Biden administration. <coughs> And here's just more evidence of that. Not only is John J. Durham still the director, Ms. Thirteen is still still in the sights of DOJ. Um, Not what you'd expect. In fact, I remember people specifically saying when Biden got. Inaugurate. I mean, people saying, well, MS-13 is going to run wild now. It's free reign for them. Nothing's going to be done to stop MS-13. Nope. That was wrong. Those black pills were wrong. It's really good stuff. Makes, makes me happy, by the way, in this indictment, I don't, remember, I don't know if it's in this indictment or if it was in the press um, conference, but I want to say that I want to say that Merrick Garland said that um, MS-13 has killed something like they've murdered 65 people in New York in the past two decades. Um, I remember that. I remember that stat being thrown around. Thrown around. Uh, by the way, it mentions here it was created Joint Task Force Vulcan. Vulcan, August 2019 is when it was created. Um, it's a whole of government approach which combines several different agencies to help them attack um MS 13 and to get these indictments. And this isn't the first one. Um, there have been many indictments of ms-13 members since uh, the Garland Justice Department became a thing it doesn't seem to have th- slowed down at all here's another one there's a jury conviction this Baltimore area ms-13 um, another leader of ms-13 in Honduras Massachusetts three more racketeering that's from December 19. 19- um, December 19th, 2022. Here's four more indicted right here. Um, It just keeps going. This one's from 2021. December 19th,
0: 2022. Piece by piece. And very good news. All right. I think... Got about an hour left. I think, um,
1: okay, a lot of, I'm going to go, I'm going to do these Politico articles. A lot of people have talked about, um, Comer. Some other, other articles I had was Comer. Um, yeah, he's got, he's, um, he's got Hunter's business, business partner. Eric Schwerin has flipped. Is what's being saying he's cooperating with the GOP investigators in the house. That's great news. Um also Comer is trying to get some answers from uh this guy who was connected to the UN. Um what's his name? He has a has a difficult name. Um not a Chinese name. Jeremich. Yeah, this Jeremich guy who reported to Ho. Uh what his first name is like Vuk or Vic. Where did his name go? Vuk or VUK, I don't know, uh, Vuk Jeremic, it's, Serbi- it's a Serbian foreign foreign affairs minister. Um, so anyway, that's going on, all good stuff. The House committees continue to impress me, um, continue to, I, I'm really happy with what the GOP House is doing so far, and I'm looking forward to them getting some stuff. They have been asking for these SAR reports, uh, suspicious activity reports for, about the Bidens from Treasury. Um, and Treasury won't give them to them, although they are they are allowed to go look at them. Most news stories leave that out. They 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 can go see them. They just can't have copies of the reports. Um, that's kind of a headline grabber. Uh, Treasury denies our access to these th- reports. Um, I'm not really bothered by it because they're getting denied because the investigation is going on, and those reports are part of Weiss's investigation. So um, at this. Something, something you kind of learn with uh, how this back and forth goes between Congress and DOJ and Congress and Treasury is often when, when Congress is – a Congress committee or a person, a representative or a senator is denied access to certain reports or documents – that DOJ or Treasury has, it's an admission that something is going on with those reports at that time. And so it's like, yeah, you want that report and I want to know what's in it and I want to read it. But at the time they're denying access to it, they're at the same time confirming that it's important and something's going on with it, you know? Um, So I don't automatically like see those things and think ah oh, dang it like i don't get upset about those denial denials or uh them not getting it i just take it as oh hmm, it must be important i wonder what's going on with it <laughs> cuz they're not going to be able to hide it forever um okay anyway i want to there's three articles from politico and yeah, 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 I know who Politico is and um look, this is the truth. This is the truth. I'm gonna tell you something. Kyle Cheney and Josh Gerstein. Yeah, they're lefties. Yeah, they're spinmeisters. Um no, I don't want to hang out with them and have a beer. Um, but they are really good people to follow. If you want to learn about some stuff going on with court cases involving Trump and others. And if you can, if you can develop a filter, if you can develop a filter for reading their tweets and reading their articles, and you can learn to pick out the little factoids that are in these things and just filter out the spin you can learn a lot, and you can get a really good line of sight into what's going on. Um, and so, I pay close attention to these guys because because of those things. So, and at the end of last week, Kyle Cheney and Josh Gerstein had some really some important news, some very interesting stuff related to legal matters going on with Trump. And with uh, Scott Perry and the special counsels. So let's tear through this stuff and keep our filters on. Joe Lang, good morning, my friend. He says, love your topics. The indictments and court cases are right in your wheelhouse and you are a go-to source for me and I appreciate you. Man, I appreciate you, Joe Lang. Thank you very much, man. Um, I, I'm excited for the next court cases. Um, I'm excited for this stuff too, right here. Judge rejects Perry's bid to shield thousands of emails from January 6th investigators, meaning special counsel. Chief Judge of the Federal District of Washington, D.C. secretly rejected Rep. Scott Perry's bid to shield more than 2,000 messages relevant to the Justice Department investigations probing efforts by Donald Trump to subvert the 2020 election. Now, see, there's their spin right here that Donald Trump was trying to subvert. That's the spin. But the rest of this is literally true. The spin comes right here. And you can just ignore that part. All right. So Chief Judge Beryl Howe unsealed her extraordinary December 28th decision on Friday evening, determining that the powerful public interest in seeing the previously secret opinion outweighed the need for continued secrecy. Perry, a Republican lawmaker for Pennsylvania, has urged Hal to block the Justice Department from accessing 2,219 documents stored on his phone, which was seized and imaged by the FBI last August as part of the 2020 election investigation. Y'all remember that? Um, that Scott Perry's phone was taken by the FBI and what i remember about that is that the headlines were all this was no reason this was an illegal seizure blah 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 they they can't do this this is a corrupt doj going after scott perry and i never thought that's what it was <laughs> i've never i've never believed that um i think they're i think this i think people are going to be really surprised with what special counsel smith comes up with And I don't think it's going to be indictments against Trump and team. Harry claimed that the records reflected his efforts to research potential legislative decisions, like whether to vote to challenge election results, and therefore should be protected from disclosure by the Constitution's speech or debate clause, a provision meant to safeguard lawmakers from pressure or intimidation by the executive branch. But Howell said Perry had taken, quote, an astonishing view of his immunity that would effectively put members of Congress above the law and free of political consequences for their actions. She ordered him to disclose 2,055 of the 2,219, so not all of them, of the documents he sought to withhold, including all 960 of his contacts with members of the executive branch. Which she said said are entitled to no constitutional protection at all. Some 161 items she said were proper to withhold. Quote What is plain is the clause does not shield Brett Perry's random musings with private individuals touting an expertise in cybersecurity or political discussions with attorneys from a presidential campaign or with state legislatures concerning hearings before them about possible local election fraud. Guys. Or actions they could take to challenge election results in Pennsylvania. Guys, guys, you see that right there? Perry's conversations with state legislatures, Slaters, concerning hearings before them about possible election fraud. That's a clue as to what DOJ is investigating. Investigators have long scrutinized Perry's contacts with Trump, as well as with Jeff Clark, a top Justice Department aide who Perry pushed Trump to install as attorney general in the waiting weeks of his administration. That right there has always been a major red flag to me and point of concern. Clark was seen by Trump and his allies as sympathetic to his bid to overturn the 2020 election results. The January 6th committee, select committee subpoena Perry, blah, 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 blah. Prosecutors honed in on Perry last year, seeking his contacts with top figures connected to Trump, including Clark, Eastman, and uh, in August, Perry's phone was seized. Thus far, however, investigators have not had access to any of the records because last month, a three-judge panel of the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals stayed Hal's ruling. On Thursday, those judges heard both public and private arguments about the dispute The stay remains in place as the appeals court considers whether to leave Hal's ruling in place. So the appeals court said not so fast. There are some issues here with getting access to these messages. DOJ can't have them yet. And then Hal has made her ruling. And now the appeals court is going to look at that and see if they agree with it. I think they will agree with her. But to me, y'all already know what I'm going to say. This is setting up a template. This is setting up a template on how investigators are going to deal with getting the phone records of legislators who were involved in this. And this same template that has been used on Scott Perry here to get his phone and to get his messages and these documents can be used on Adam Schiff, can be used on Eric Swalwell, can be used on all these other people who tried to undermine the Trump administration in the first term. And all of these lawmakers who conspired to steal the 2020 election, this same process, the things that Brett Perry has gone through and the things DOJ has gone through with the DC court to try and get access to these 2000 documents on his phone, that same process, those same steps can be followed by a DOJ who's investigating others who were involved in the 2020 steal. And it's a tell right here, in my opinion, this mention of possible local election fraud. Because there's, what are what are all these people talking about? You know, Special Counsel Smith and investigators close to him, they've gotten, they've subpoenaed records and communications from Scott Perry, from everybody in Trump's admin, basically, um, from Rudy Giuliani um, to Sidney Powell, all of these people that were doing what? Investigating election fraud, talking about election fraud, gathering evidence of election fraud, all of these things. And so Jack Smith, there's no way that in... Going through his gathering of evidence. On these people. That he's not going to come across. All this evidence of election fraud. And it doesn't mean that he himself. Is going to be the one who is actually going to prosecute people. For election fraud. But he's still going to be gathering this evidence. Which others can use. He's he's vacuuming all of that stuff up. And. I I think personally, I think that Jack Smith is going to end up indicting some swampy Republicans and some swampy Democrats. And I don't think it's going to be specifically for the 2020 election steal. I think it's going to be for trying to undermine the transition between Trump and Biden and advocating for the Trump. I think it's going to be people who advocated for Trump to do things that are illegal. And I think it's going to be of people who engaged in illegal activity to try and make sure Trump lost the 2020 election. Um, I think people are going to be really surprised with what Jack Smith comes up with. And I think it'll make a lot more sense after people see the indictments and some of the evidence because people will start to realize that, you know, he's investigating efforts to undermine the uh, to interfere with the transition right and then also the events of January 6th well the events of January 6th are a coup against the Trump administration that the media has been trying to sell to the american people as a coup by the trump administration That's not what January 6th was. It was a coup against the Trump administration. And I think we're going to, I think the people, maybe the most important people that Jack Smith indicts are going to be people who organized and made the January 6th coup against the Trump administration happen. Um, political people, people whose names we know, um, who were secretly behind all of that. And I think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be that he's going to indict someone on Trump team. I think it's going to be Trump team who collected the evidence on those people. One, I mentioned earlier that something that's a red flag to me that I have concerns about, and that is Perry and Jeff Clark. So one thing that has never set well with me is this this conversation that apparently happened about. Trump appointing Jeff Clark as acting attorney general in order for him because Trump needed somebody with the balls to do what what Trump needed done to stop Joe Biden being sworn in and there's something there um and I'm not sure what it is but I feel like one of the people who could who could be indicted or I don't know. I don't know about indicted. There's just something there that isn't right. Um, That the story, the story of Perry and others trying to convince Trump to appoint Jeff Clark and Jeff Clark saying that I'll do what needs to be done. Mr. President, just make me attorney general. There's something about that story that doesn't sit well with me. One, but two, it, There, there's just something there. There's there's something there, and I don't know if it's a uh, – I don't know if it's bait. I don't know if that's, that whole story is bait that is meant to get the media to talk about it. Um, and later we're going to find out that this conversation actually didn't happen the way it's been told. Um, it could be completely 180 degrees opposite of what we've been told. Um, but there's this, there's something there, guys. And it's always given me concern, especially about Jeff Clark. It's always given me concern about Jeff Clark, whose phones were also seized, I believe. Um, the wildest idea I have about it is that Jeff Clark was a plant. Um, as in he was working for the swamp. Um now, I'm not accusing him of that i'm just I'm just trying to figure out this story because the way the story goes is that Jeff Clark basically offered to be a hatchet man for trump um anyway there's there's something weird there, and I think we're missing a chunk of the story or a chunk of that story. The way it's characterized is out of sync with reality and um I think Jack Smith's investigation is going to uh show us something about it. All right, now the next one, the next one, judge orders depositions of Trump and Ray in long running dispute with ex-FBI officials. This, this
0: excites me, this excites me, a federal
1: judge, has agreed to permit former FBI officials Peter Strzok and Lisa Page to take sworn testimony from former President Donald Trump for two hours as long as part of their long-running lawsuits related to Strzok's firing in 2018 after Trump repeatedly and publicly pilloried the pair. This is U.S. District Court Judge Amy Berman Jackson ruled on Thursday that Strzok and Page, whose text messages... Disparaging then-candidate Trump cast a pall over the FBI's investigation of links between Trump campaign and Russia. Would also be allowed to depose FBI Director Christopher Wray for a similar two-hour period on a limited set of talk topics. But there's a twist. Their ability to ask Trump and Ray about these circumstances might come down to a decision from President Joe Biden. Jackson's order gave the Justice Department a month to, quote, inform the court whether the current president will invoke executive privilege over any aspects of Trump's testimony. Jackson, an appointee of President Barack Obama, also stressed that she had not yet considered all potential objections to the demands for testimony from Trump and Ray. That could include arguments by Trump that he has the unilateral right as a former president to assert executive privilege. I hope that he does get deposed. Honestly, like I, I hope that struck and page are successful and that Christopher Ray and Donald Trump have to give two hour depositions in this court case, because I think it'll be absolute fire. I I think it'll be absolute fire. And I think it'll be awesome. Um, struck, you know, like the whole thing is over Struck's, the text messages and them being, not being accurately portrayed and Trump, you know, calling them the lovebirds and, uh, his, uh, Ray and, I mean, struck and pages, firing from the FBI and all these things. And, um, I, I just think that this would be, this would be great and, uh, wildly entertaining. um, And it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see if uh, President Biden does enforce some sort of executive privilege here. He probably won't. He hasn't done that in other circumstances. Um, The left is going to be all excited about this because they're going to think that Struck is really going to put the screws to President Trump and blah, 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 (laughs) blah. But I think it will be wildly entertaining. And, um, yeah, I'm looking for, I hope this happens. I'm looking forward to it. All right, last article from Politico. Judge won't unseal details of Trump's privilege fight over a January 6th grand jury. A federal judge has rejected a bid by two news outlets to obtain access to details of former President Trump's efforts to block testimony by aides to a grand jury investigating his efforts to derail the transfer of power in, after the 2020 election. Yeah, there's their spin. There's their spin. In a ruling on Thursday, Chief Judge Beryl Howe of the US District Court, who we talked about earlier, uh, lost my place. Sorry. Um, ah. Okay, she said in a federal court ruling mandating grand jury secrecy precluded the release of court opinions and other filings about disputes she has ruled on behind closed doors. Quote, accordingly, the grand jury secrecy rule does not permit such disclosure, at least for now and perhaps forever. And so petitioners applications are denied. Politico and the New York Times had both petitioned Hal to unseal portions of the grand jury proceedings in October, citing the October, citing the historic nature of the secret ruling she had issued. The Justice Department opposed the unsealing, prompting Hal's decision. The continued secrecy of certain details about that investigation is required for the sake of grand jury witnesses and the government's investigation, Hal wrote. Both Politico and the Times indicated they were considering whether to appeal. Um, politico, blah, 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 spokesperson for the time, blah, 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 blah. I need to have like a soundbite that makes the uh Peanuts teacher's voice. Like I should have a soundbite that says that anytime I have these spokespeople for the times or Politico in recent months, aides to former vice president Mike Pence have appeared at the courthouse to testify behind closed doors after how rejected an effort by Trump to claim privilege over their testimony. Other top Trump allies have been seen heading into the federal courthouse's sealed grand jury rooms, including former White House counsel Pat Cipollone and his one-time deputy Pat Philbin. Press reports, typically attributed to people familiar with the proceedings, have also detailed a series of fights over legal privileges, issues, and a bid by Trump to assert executive privilege to keep some aides from testifying. One grand jury dispute involving an objection by Rep. Scott Perry to prosecutor seizures of his phone, blah, blah, blah. I just read that article. Hal seemed to to evince discomfort about aspects of her latest ruling, particularly what she termed the ironic result that because of cases of significant interest to the public often draw extensive news coverage and speculation about grand jury activities, the governing legal standards can require courts to withhold information in such cases, even though court rulings on grand jury subpoenas and routine cases are often released with the names of those involved blacked out. Redaction would be ineffective in the current dispute, the chief judge said, because it would simply be too easy for those reading the opinions or filings to infer the identities of those involved in the litigation. Redacting information in those materials would not sufficiently uphold that secrecy because matters occurring before the grand jury are so deeply intertwined with non-secret information would prove useless or worse misleading. Hal, who will hand over the chief judge's post and decision-making authority in grand jury matters to a colleague next month, also deemed the Justice Department for failing to address how Attorney General Merrick Garland's public announcement in November of the appointment of a Special Counsel Jack Smith might have undercut the justification for secrecy in the ongoing probe. Quote, when asked to address the impact of this DOJ announcement on grand jury secrecy in the instant ap- applications, the government simply ignored this portion of the order and chose not to respond to the fact of the Special Counsel's appointment. How used her 32-page opinion to throw considerable shade in a 2019 decision in which the D.C. Circuit overruled her and held that judges lacked discretion to release grand jury materials. In that ruling, the appeals court said historical interest was not a sufficient basis for a judge to make grand jury-related information public. Hal pointed to what she portrayed as a series of oversights in the appeals court's decision. The Supreme Court declined to review the D.C. Circuit ruling, leaving it as the established law for federal grand juries in Washington. However, Justice Breyer at that time issued a statement knowing that three other federal appeals courts had found more flexibility for judges to release grand jury-related records, calling it an important decision. Breyer urged a federal panel, blah, blah, blah. All right. Politico and New York Times are big sad because... They can't get access to this grand jury stuff. But what I found interesting most of all is that Judge Howe says there's no way to properly redact this stuff without it ended up being misleading or giving away who the targets of the investigation are. And I got to tell you, guys, Trump is not the target. Trump is not the target and Politico want these documents and the New York Times want these documents so that they can program everybody up and so they can alert people who are the real targets. And shout, I mean, as much as I want these things, um, shout out to judge how for not releasing them. And saying, sorry, can't. There's no way that I can release these without it revealing way too much. Um, I'm glad, even though I really want what's in there. I really want what's in there. Um now we have Mike Pence who's been subpoenaed, and Mike Pence was saying he's gonna fight it. He's gonna fight this uh, subpoena to testify and he's going to use executive privilege and he's going to use the uh, speech and debate clause and all of these things, interesting fight. And what does that do? It sets another template. It sets another template. Um, just more unprecedented happenings that are all carving out this template that can be used to go after other people in high positions of power or who were formerly in positions of power. To me, It's all good news. All right. Um time is it? Eleven oh six. Trump shared this. He shared this truth right here. Yesterday. Mad dog psycho Jack Smith. Put there for only one reason by Biden and the weaponized Justice Department should stop this witch hunt altogether or, at a minimum, should give Biden, Obama, and all of the others the same treatment. Interesting truth from Trump. And Mean Gene One is correct. Very interesting article that Trump has linked here. Here it is. classified documents show up in odd places portraying sloppy system beyond Trump, Pence and Biden. And remember what Trump said? Especially <coughs> this last part. At a minimum, Jack Smith should give Biden, Obama and all the others the same treatment. Beyond the high-profile cases of classified documents found in the homes of, of President Joe Biden, former President Trump, former Vice President Pence, federal court records portray a sloppy system for tracking the country's most important secrets. Intelligence agency staffers and contractors were caught in recent years squirreling away enormous troves of documents. Aren't some presidents and vice presidents being caught doing the same thing? One contractor mailed home computer hard drives filled with secrets from Afghanistan to Texas. Stashes of secret documents have been scattered through homes, sheds, and cars. Staffers sometimes copied documents onto compact disc or even handwritten notes. It always it wasn't always the documents that got worked got workers caught. One path to thousands of pages of classified records was strewn with marijuana leaves. Despite the sloppy handling, the secrets at stake were among the country's most important. The names of undercover intelligence agents, how the country gathers its information, but from the top from top to bottom, searches to recover the records often came years into the filching began. Years after the filching began. Penalties for mishandling documents vary greatly. Biden, Trump, and Pence face no charges. Retired General David Petraeus, who led the war in Afghanistan and head of the CIA, was fined and not jailed for a misdemeanor for his infractions. But lower level workers and contractors were sentenced to months or years in prison for felonies that lawyers argued were less egregious than violations uh, of Petraeus and others. I love it that they included us. I mean, Shout out to USA Today for including an actual picture of the FBI raiding Joe Biden's Rehoboth Beach, Delaware home. Rating. The horde of classified documents FBI agents found in Harold Martin's Cape Cod style home shed and car in Glenbury, Maryland revealed what his lawyer called two sides of the same government contractor. Martin was a Navy veteran with one of the highest security clear- clearances called Top Secret Sensitive Compartmentalized Information, TSSCI. Some of the documents at uh, Mar-a-Lago had that label, by the way. He then became a contractor for government agencies, including the NSA, from '93 to 2016. But he was also an acknowledged binge drinker who owned 10 guns his wife didn't know about, including a loaded handgun on the floor, blah, 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 blah. da 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 you have someone who represents who presents themselves as two different people, blah, blah, blah. Um, Biden's archivist. Oh, wait, that's a link for another story. The August 2016 search came while authorities scrambled to find who was offering stolen government property on a variety of social media sites. But Martin was never charged with passing along secrets. Even so, the FBI agents discovered Martin had brought home over the decades 50 terabytes 50 terabytes of digital information and thousands of printed documents, much of it top secret. The secrets included the names of U.S. intelligence officers working undercover overseas, putting them and their operations at risk. U.S. US District Judge Richard Bennett sentenced Martin to nine years in 2019 after he pleaded guilty to willful retention of national defense information. another one NSA staffer takes secrets home now while i'm reading these think about obama biden and trump think think about and the Clint, and the clintons think about them and think about what trump said here that jack smith should give these others the same treatment and then trump links this article which go through goes through all these examples of people taking home and violating protocol with classified documents and information. All right, this guy named Foe, I'm not even going to try the rest of his name. Foe, who was 68 at the time of his sentencing for taking a trove of classified documents home to Elliott City, Maryland, said he was trying to earn a promotion. Armed with a TSSCI clearance, Foe developed software to help the National Security Agency collect intelligence from foreign networks. He also helped the Defense Department detect and prevent unauthorized access to its networks. But as he neared retirement, the Vietnamese native who became a naturalized citizen brought home documents from 2010 to March 2015 to work toward a promotion on nights and weekends. He said, I did not betray the the USA. I did not send the information to anyone. I did not make a profit. U.S. District Judge George Russell sentenced Foe to 66 months in prison in 2018 after he pleaded guilty to willful retention of national defense information. NSA director, Foe's actions came at great cost to the NSA. Key documents are often kept sealed in criminal cases about classified records, but Foe's case struck a nerve. Admiral Mike Rogers, then director of NSA, wrote the judge a letter describing Foe's, quote, very significant and long-lasting harm. The agency provides real-time to near real-time insight to complex involving threat environments like terrorist kidnapping, actions, kidnapping, kidnappings, missile launches, and military engagements. The NSA had no choice but to abandon certain important initiatives at great economic and operational cost because of uncertainties about which secrets foe might have leaked. Quote, it's like interrupting a team of surgeons in the middle of an operation to determine the sterility of a tool used in a procedure has been compromised. Kansas woman. Brought home astonishing stash of documents, including some about terror groups. This is Kendra Kingsbury of Dodge City, Kansas, an FBI intelligence analyst with TSSCI clearance. She took home sensitive emails, intelligence notes, and internal correspondence from June 2004 to December 2017. One charge against her covered documents about counterterrorism and cyber threats, including people in sensitive investigations and intelligence gaps regarding hostile foreign intelligence services. The other charge dealt with collecting intelligence about terrorist groups, including Al-Qaeda in Africa, and a suspected associate of bin Laden. Kingsbury pleaded guilty in October to two counts of gathering defense information. And there's more of these, but I want to move on. But they're, this article is pretty good. I linked it in the uh, Badlands brief. But it takes on a different color to it. When you think about Trump truthing it out in relationship to Jack Smith and former presidents. And to me, what I wrote in the Badlands brief. Is that I think this is an example of Donald Trump foreshadowing. I think he is foreshadowing the treatment that other former presidents and vice presidents are going to get. For their handling of classified documents. And Trump is willing to. Take the slings and arrows. He's willing to be the template maker. And let the DOJ. Quote unquote come after him. Over his classified. Now declassified documents. In order to set this template up. For them to go after the rest of this crew. The other high officials. Who have also mishandled documents. And you notice. The investigation into into Biden continues to expand. It started out, Oh, it was just a couple documents from his time as vice president. And then it was, and they were just at this one closet completely by accident. And then it expanded to the FBI visiting his home in Delaware twice. And then his office, and then the library of the University of Delaware. And they're going from documents marked classified to handwritten notes, to papers going all the way back to his time as senator. And he's been senator for decades. And it just keeps on growing and growing and getting more and more and more and more. And then you find out that some of the some of this stuff connects to Hunter and you look at Hunter's emails and you're like, it seems like Hunter had some classified information here that he was giving to people who were his business associates. And it just keeps it just keeps on going. Um, and so I really do. I really think that Trump is foreshadowing here with this, um, with this truth. And Trump does that. He foreshadows what is coming. Um, That's what I think. Now I've seen some comments in, uh, in, um, the chat about Jack Smith having a Twitter account. Jack Smith does not have a Twitter account. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't have a Twitter account. Not the first time that's come up though, that people have mentioned to me, you need to read what Jack Smith says on his Twitter account. I think you're wrong about him. Jack Smith doesn't have a Twitter account. Um, neither does John Durham. That's it. man. That's another thing about Jack Smith. Jacks Jack Smith and Robert Herr, both of those special counsels, so far. Just like Durham, no leaks. So far, no leaks.
0: Tells you something. Okay,
1: I've got one more. One more thing, and I need to find it real quick. Here we go. All right, last thing. Almost talked about this on Defected last night, but uh, decided not to, Um, because me and BB had already talked about a number of things. And if we started on this, we would have gone for another hour. Um, Adam Kelm, Akelm88 on Truth and on Twitter. He makes this great point. He said, and he's talked about this for a long time. Trump plays two games. The Matador's Cloak is a game where the outcome doesn't matter. That's the game that you see. The Matador's Sword is the game that matters. In this case, the data from the first game is fed into the second. It works because Alinsky values appearances. The problem is... That most people value the first game far more than the second because of how it makes them look it 's the perfect filter for people who are not disciplined. They will chase that rabbit all day i 'm going to tell you what I think he's getting at and what this brings to my mind. One of the things that I found really difficult to grasp about Trump um, and it was one of the last things I ever understood about Trump is the matador's cloak. And what he means by that is the famous like matador who's got the red cape or cloak holds it up for the bull to charge at. The bull gets focused in on that, on that cape and goes right for it. And it took me a long time to really, it was one of the last very last things I realized about Trump, if not the last thing um, before, as I was understanding him is that Trump was putting up a matador's cloak that he was putting up a red cape for the bull of the media of the democrats of the rhinos whoever to charge at and he puts that cape up and whatever whatever form it takes whether it's russia collusion or it's anything else his taxes anything else and his enemies because they're Alinskyites, because of their worldview, because they value their appearances, and because they're playing these political games, and they're selfish, and they're greedy, and they're, they're just infected with Trump derangement syndrome, and they also know that Trump is a threat to their system, when Trump holds up that cloak, they charge at it, regardless of how low or high the percentages are, how successful they might be. They don't even calculate. They just charge at that cloak. And sometimes there's nothing there, right? They charge at, that, at, at the matador's cloak that Trump put up and they go right through it. And Trump moves out of the way and they just keep on going and they spin themselves around, right? And then Trump puts it up again and they here they come, they're charging again sometimes Trump puts it up and on the other side is a brick wall and they charge right into that brick wall. Um, Sometimes there's a cliff on the other side and they go right off that cliff. (laughs) Um, And sometimes Trump has his sword ready. And for me, one example of that would be Trump and his taxes. He gets them to chase his taxes for years and years and years. And at the end of that, he comes up clean like we always knew he would. And what they end up doing in the process of chasing his taxes is they set the precedent for now Congress to expose the taxes of all these other presidents and any future president. Going back years, we get to look at their taxes. Hey, the House committee was able to do it to Trump. Why can't we do it to the next one? That's the sword. And them chasing his taxes gave him a lot of information on what these people were were trying to hide and why they were chasing him and um it works over and over again. It works with so many things, these people. And he's doing it right now. I really think that Special Counsel Jack Smith, the way Trump is talking about him and building him up to be a monster and a mad dog psycho, to me, that's the matador's cloak. That's Trump being a carnival barker, and he's building up Jack Smith to be this evil, um, terrible guy. The DOJ is weaponized. And like, and Yeah, guys, guys, the DOJ is weaponized. And they're weaponized against the swamp, like I know what the clickbait sites are telling you, and I know what the headlines are headlines are, and I know what the narrative is, yeah yeah, 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 I'm totally good with it like like let let's just keep that narrative going. It's totally good, but the d o j really is weaponized, <laughs> they really are, but they're weaponized against the swamp. It's just not going to make the headlines, <laughs> but when you go and you start looking at the details of who's getting indicted what did we cover today what did we cover last week um, like it's it's just it's amazing and start looking for this guys start start looking for this because when you notice trump's matador cloak effort his tactic of doing that you'll start noticing when he puts that up and when he's presenting a target for these Alinskyites to charge at and they can't resist it and then watch for the sword to come. Now, I love these two things. Now this next part, this next one, this next tweet is also just as important. The problem for us as viewers of all this going on is that most people value this right here they put more value and they give more attention to the cloak than the sword. Because they don't realize those two games are what's being played. So they pay way more attention and here I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and be extra controversial cuz I might I might as well be. They pay more attention to Trump bad mouthing James Comey or Robert Mueller or Bill Barr. And they don't realize that's part of the matador's cloak. They just pay way more attention and value Trump's words that he's speaking against Comey, Mueller, Bill Barr, others sessions. And they don't pay attention to the sword and the sword is what does the work. The cloak is the illusion. The cloak is the target for the Alinskyites to charge at. It's the distraction. It's the shiny object. The sword is the tool that does the work. But people as an audience on the outside, we get roped into paying far more attention to this first game and putting way more value on it. And we don't notice the sword that comes behind
0: it.
1: For example, not noticing how Robert Mueller gathered all this invest, all this evidence that then fed into Horowitz that then fed into Durham. Not noticing that so many of the people that Mueller ended up investigating later got busted for other things or had exposed a criminal network, exposed Oleg Deripaska, who's now been indicted, and then McGonigal, who was getting paid by Deripaska, and all these others, but people don't they're not noticing the sword part. the cloak part set set with them because they saw this bright red, shiny cape that's all the cell that's all the i mean it's part of the the cave is part of the cloak. The kayfabe that I talk about so often is part of the cloak.
0: The sword is, you know, for example, with Bill Barr.
1: Gurr, Bill Barr, he was so weak. He's so swampy. He didn't have the courage needed. He didn't have the courage to do what needed to be done. That's what Trump's been saying about him. That's the matador's cloak. Meanwhile, the rest of us, what do we know about Bill Barr? What did Bill Barr do? He appointed John Durham. <laughs> um, he set up Joint Task Force Vulcan. He set up an entire group that goes after uh, human trafficking and still is. um, And all these other things. There's all these other things that are actually the sword. They're actually the action part. But the cloak has... All this other stuff. He, D82, good morning. He faked Epstein's death. Hello. Hello. Bill, see, thank you, D82. That's another one. Trump's over there saying Bill Barr didn't have the courage that needed to do what needed to be done. Meanwhile, Bill Barr not only arrest Epstein, but fakes Epstein's death so that Epstein can go into a witness protection program. And if you believe Epstein really is dead, I... I think you need to rethink it and arrest Maxwell. Miss <laughs> Lori. That's right. Barb picked both Durham's. That's right. Um, so anyway, I just, I just really like this. And um, for me, it was one of the most difficult things about Trump for me to realize, um, to notice that, to pick up on, to pick up on this game. And it's because, I mean, we've all been programmed to uh, just follow these headlines and uh, the latest um, narratives and clickbait and all this stuff that's very emotionally driven um, or charged. And we get get focused on that and we don't realize the other stuff that's going on. Um, But once you get this, once you get this matador cloak thing and you notice that Trump is using that tactic – it helps you to understand Trump and it also helps you, it helps you to just see through some of what he's doing and you notice how his enemies respond to it and they can't help themselves. They absolutely cannot help themselves. Um, It's, it's, it's amazing. And um, yeah, shout out to Adam Kelm because he talks about this pretty often. He's a great follower on Twitter and on true social, um, especially if you like the blues. Uh, Most of Adam Kelm's posts are just him posting a bunch of different blues records and uh, which is great. Uh, But then he'll pop up with tweets like this and you're like, man, that's, that's as insightful insight as insightful as can be really good stuff. All right, guys. Appreciate y'all. If you enjoyed today's show links to support it, are in the description over on rumble or in my link tree um the best ways to support the show are buy me slash just human and help me keep my coffee cup full i run on caffeine next best way is just com. i mostly post my podcast there but i do post the occasional article and um I'm really proud of the last article that I, I did. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. Um, and if you haven't read my templates article, that's my favorite thing that I've done. Um, but yeah, Substack is the best way because they Substack and com. the most amount of your dollar actually makes its way to me. Um, so that's why I say it's the best way to support me. the The third best way, and the sweetest way is to go to BensonHoneyFarms.com and get yourself some honey direct from the beekeepers, completely 100% raw honey, nothing taken out, nothing added in, just beautiful, delicious, raw honey direct from the beekeepers. BensonHoneyFarms.com, use rep code JUSTHUMAN. You'll get yourself something good, something something healthy, something that's really good for you, natural, raw honey, and then you also help an America First small business out, the beekeepers, Bensons, and you help me out as well. So if you're interested in doing any of those things and supporting the show, I appreciate it. That kind of support makes the show possible. And again, the links for that are in the description on Rumble or on my link tree on any of my socials. Um, hope you guys have a great day and uh, you know just a wonderful week. Um, I enjoyed this show today and I'm glad you were here for it. Um, remember we're not going to win every battle, but we are going to win this war. So let me turn one more time to look at my computer and give y'all, y'all a, a shot of the side of my head while I hit some buttons over there. I'm going to have to change this setup up because it's driving me absolutely nuts. (laughs) Wish me luck. on getting this project done so I can arrange this room the way it needs to be. Y'all have a great one. God bless.